You're listening to another inspiring teaching from Devonport Church of Christ, Tasmania, Australia. For more information about our church, please log on to www.devonportcoc.com.au. Uh, single for the first 28 years of my life. All of us start out life being single. In fact, we are born that way. There is a period of childhood and adolescence and potentially some of adulthood that will pass where we are all identified as single. There are people who enter into their 30s and enter into their 40s uh, and think, will I ever get married? Will I be single for life? And then there are people who choose singleness, singleness for their entire life, not to mention those who are, become single again through things like divorce or their spouse dying. When talking about singleness, generalizations are generally unhelpful. Generally unhelpful, I, I, w- I would say. Uh, it would be an impossible task to find two sig- single adults who have endured the exact same life situation and scenarios, let alone had the same response to it. There are so many experiences and so many different expressions of singleness as many are there singles themselves, I think. Uh, No two singles are exactly the same. Um, How many of you are married here today? Raise your hands. Yes, how many of you are single? There we go, yep. Just if you, no, no, I'll do that next service. But uh, um, yeah, so there's a mixture of people uh, in society, of course, and also in our church. So today we're continuing a series that I kicked off last week called... uh, the seasons of life, growing in the seasons of life. And today we're going to tackle the issue of singleness and how to navigate this season of people's lives. Last week I talked about the season of marriage. Next week I'm going to talk about the season of empty nesters. And the final week I'm going to talk about the season of retirement, um, which I know nothing about. Uh, But um, today, the season of singleness. And from the outset, I want to say that I'm going to proceed with caution. And I'm going to proceed with caution because when I speak about singleness, because I've only ever experienced one kind. I've only ever experienced one kind of singleness, and yet there are some in our midst today who can speak about various different kinds of singleness. My aim for this message is to discover what God may have to say to those who are single amongst us today, and for us as a church who are not single, to maybe, maybe understand a little bit more clearly um, the varying challenges and blessings that exist for, those, for people who are single. Throughout the Bible, we see a repeated focus on widows, orphans and foreigners. That these groups of people have God's heart and attention and He wants them to have ours. Something significant, I think, of God's heart of compassion is always stirred by their plight. In fact, in Deuteronomy, we read about God's, uh, God defend, says to defend the cause of the fatherless and the widow and love the foreigner. And James tells us in the New Testament, what does true and acceptable religion look like before, before God? To look after orphans and widows. So these people... Um, in the Bible, had very little social standing. And inherent in the plight of widows, orphans and foreigners is this profound experience of loss and disconnection. 
And the widow, the widow was once someone's wife, but now she is not. The orphan once had living parents, but now he does not. The foreigner was once, was once a native in her home country, but now she is not. And I don't think that it's a theological stretch here this morning to consider singles to sometimes be in the similar category to widows in the notion of belonging. The sense of disconnection and exclusion from the norm of community that can sometimes happen. And can I say, particularly faith communities can be profound for a single person. Belonging is such a profound and powerful need of the human heart for the human to belong. So as we begin this morning, I just want to place this overarching statement over everything that I say and everything that follows. So here it is. Singleness, singleness is not a problem that needs to be solved. I just want to say that again. Singleness is not a problem that needs to be solved. If you are long-term single here today, you are not a problem that needs to be solved. Hello. Singleness ought not to be viewed as a problem, and listen to me, nor marriage as a right. God grants either as a gift. Now, if you are long-term single here today and long, and long for someone to pursue you and for you to find a lifetime partner, you probably would scoff at the notion of singleness being a gift. However, it does strike at the concept that every person believes and grows up believing that marriage is a right. I grow up and I expect that I will be married one day. That, but God in His wisdom and love grants either marriage or singleness as a gift. Not a right. I think we need to dispense of this idea, church, and the notion that there is a problem if you are single. If you are not in a couple to here today, that does not mean that something is wrong with you. Hello. Singleness is not a disease that needs a cure because singleness is not a disease. How many of you singles have heard this question before? Why are you still single? I want to say to single people here today that the next time a married person asks you that question, why are you still single? Ask them, why are you still married? It's like they think that God's favour only falls upon those people who are in a couple. And well, I think we have to be reminded of what I actually said last Sunday, that only God can complete us. If I don't, if I don't, feel, if I don't feel good to me, I won't feel good with you. If I don't feel good with, with myself, I won't feel good with you. What does it mean to be single? It means to be one of one. It means that you are unique. That you are an individual. And you don't need anybody else to fulfill you or complete you. You don't need any other human being to do that for you. Hello? You are worthy as a single person. You are valuable 
as a single person. You are one of one. You got, you got, you, you get, you got to know who you are. <coughs> you got to know who you are. God never cr- created anybody like you before. So singleness is not a problem that needs to be solved. And that's my first, that, we've got to start there today. And so I want to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 32, 35. That chapter has a lot to say about, about relationships. And the Apostle Paul says, I, I would like you to be free from concern. Yes, please. Um, An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the, the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? And his interests are divided. Hello, married men, married women? Are your interests divided? Yeah, they are. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be, vote, to, to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can, she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul talks about this. And what Paul is saying is that as a single person, you need to embrace the unique opportunities that you have as a single person. Embrace the unique opportunities you have as a single person. The Apostle Paul reminds us the married person has dual responsibilities of pleasing both the Lord and his spouse, serving his spouse, serving his family. But the unmarried person needs only to be concerned about pleasing the Lord. This is from a Christian worldview, right? Not talking about singles just pleasing themselves, but they want to serve the Lord. They want to worship the Lord, pleasing Jesus. An unmarried person has this unique freedom that allows them to serve in ways that may not be entirely possible sometimes as a young mum and and a family circumstance. And, And Paul would say, enjoy the freedom that your schedule allows to serve the kingdom of God, to serve his church. You can go on mission trips, build depth of relationship with friends uh, that fuel your faith. Use your gift of singleness in a way that blesses and edifies the local church. And the Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture makes this audacious claim Whereas in Genesis chapter 2, God observes that it's not good that man should be alone, but Paul tells the unmarried and the widows that it's good for them to remain single, as I am. Paul, when looking at this new covenant community, under the new covenant, doesn't see, doesn't see marriagelessness as a curse, but as a gift. Paul says, I wish that all were as I myself am. The Apostle Paul is ultimately correct. Being married and having children does indeed mean that your interests are divided. Single people don't have to worry about the same issues that married people do. And it's a season where you do have more opportunities with less distraction to focus on God. I think I could sum it up what Paul's trying to say here is that there, this singleness can be a time of greater focus, flexibility, and freedom. <coughs> focus, flexibility, and freedom. Okay, here's the counter. But allow me to allow to say this. Never say to a single person, wow, I'm envy of you being single. 
Like, you get to go to the movies all the time. You get to go to holidays all the time, and you have, you're so financially secure. Oh, oh, to be single once again. And singleness definitely has its perks and freedoms, but the truth is, when somebody marries, says this, I doubt that they are saying, I doubt singleness is what they envy, but rather the perceived freedom that's associated with it. Perceived freedoms that are associated with it. Think about this, like virtually all the places that single people go, there are married people there too. Like, married people still go to the movies, married people still go to restaurants, I see married people at coffee shops all the time, like married people, uh, families and married people are on the same aeroplanes as single people going to their holidays, Uh, married people with families are still in the same hotels that single people stay in, Uh, what, what, what I'm saying is just like that in any season or stage of life, there are unique opportunities and unique challenges. A mother with a newborn baby, man, unique opportunities and unique challenges. Someone who enters, finishes up in their work and enters into retirement, a season of unique opportunities and also unique challenges, correct? Counterbalanced by unique frustrations and also considerations in all those seasons. So, there is the truth that the Apostle Paul says that to embrace the unique opportunities that you have as a single person. Because when you get married, those things change. I also want to talk about desire and contentment. What about singles who deeply desire to be married? I'm not talking about singles who are happy with their status. But what about single people who have a very, very strong desire to one day be married? How can we endure seasons of discontentment? And I think we need to clarify what we mean when we talk about contentment. Paul writes this to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I think this is a challenge to everyone here today. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through myself. No, no, no. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. I think firstly to understand this, that if you're someone here today who's single and has a great desire to be married, that you can be content in your singleness while you desire to be married. How many of us know that there is, we all have desires, right? Who has desires today? We have desires for a lot of things. Let me tell you, do you get everything that you desire in this world? You sure don't. Paul is saying here, there's a principle here, that if you are single and you are waiting and desiring to be married, that you can be content while you wait in that season. 
that you can find ultimate contentment. I don't think, church, that Paul is telling the Philippians that he desires to stay in prison because he's content in all circumstances. But between being fed, or sorry, between being hungry or well fed, I think that Paul prefers being fed, yeah? But he says that I've learnt the secret, the secret of being content in all circumstances. Would you like that today? I know I certainly would. See, desire and contentment are two different realities. There are many things that I desire in my life, but I don't have. But we need to be contented. You can desire marriage while still being content in a season of singleness. And if you are single and desire to be married, then don't feel guilty about that desire. If you desire to be married, there's no guilt associated with you desiring to be married. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favour from the Lord. Enjoy your singleness and be content in your singleness while you search for a spouse. Second, contentment, contentment sees the goodness of God in every season and in one circumstances that God's goodness is not detached from that season. That God's goodness is found in all seasons of life. Even the ones when we're waiting. Even in the seasons when we have great desire. God's goodness is not detached from that time and from that season. Do not try, single person who desires to be married here, do not try to find your ultimate satisfaction in the future fulfillment of a spouse. Find your satisfaction in Christ and in your season of singleness. Our focus in singleness should not be primarily orientated toward the hope of future marriage. Our faithfulness in singleness is valuable because it honours Christ. Sam Albury says this, if marriage, if marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, singleness shows us its sufficiency. So first off, you've got to understand that singleness is, is not something, it's not, a, something that, it's not a disease that needs to be cured, it's not something that needs to be altered. We need to understand that single people do have greater opportunities and freedom and focus and flexibility to serve the Lord Jesus and His church. We also just talked about desire and contentment, that you can be content, still in your desire. And I want to say this to single, all single people here today. This is a big one, and I'm going to go there. Deal with the sex issue. Deal with the sex issue. Sex is good. Sex is great in marriage. In fact, it's very important in marriage. But listen to me. It's not ultimate. Sex is not ultimate. Society loves to tell us the lie that we can't live without romance and sex. And sadly, we see younger and younger people in the, in, in the younger generation buying into that lie. 
But God promises to meet all our needs in Christ Jesus, that our joy, fulfillment and satisfaction in life come through seeking Him, not seeking the momentary pleasures in a relationship or, heck, even marriage. Living a life of purity and devotion to God will bring far more joy than any physical or relational pleasure ever could. And I want to say this, that I want, I want you to think about Jesus Christ. That while Jesus was on earth, Jesus had the same need for intimacy, intimacy that he did, that we do. He had all of the sex hormones that we do. He had sex organs and he had, Jesus had sex drive. that any and all humans have. And he, Jesus was never married and Jesus never had sex once. Would Jesus have been more fully alive? Would Jesus have been more fully human if he had gotten married or had sex? Yes or no? No. Certainly not. So, Jesus lived to 33. How did he do it? How did Jesus deal with his sexuality, church? See, I think that the answer is that Jesus' whole being included his body as well and was daily and intimately connected to his Father. He said, I can do nothing on my own. That Jesus breathed the very air of connection with his heavenly Father. That's how Jesus made it. That every iota of his being, every cell of his body, every thought and feeling and desire and action was submitted to his Father. And I want to talk this to single people and married people as well here today because listen, this is true and I know this myself. Sex, if you let it, it can become a very unworthy and destructive God. What else should single people know about in this season? That we need to find ultimate love and fulfilment in Jesus first. The longing to be fully known and the longing to be fully loved is only fulfilled through a real relationship with Jesus. No person can love us better than him. He knows every secret sin. He knows knows every glaring fault that you have. He sees in the dark. And if, and, and if we are hidden in him by faith, we are covered by his precious blood and righteousness. We are forgiven, free and loved. And we need to treasure this truth and trust that he can and will be enough for you. That in whatever season of waiting, God might have you in. Choose to bloom and to flourish where you are and what season and circumstance you are in and where you are planted. Embrace the life that God has for you now that God has called you to, whether you're single or married. Trust that both callings are precious gifts of grace, both with painful and overwhelming hardships. Married people, painful and overwhelming hardships at times. Mm, Yes, yes. That happiness is not found through, I talked about this last Sunday, that happiness is not found through finding a soulmate but through finding satisfaction in a loving saviour who has called you his own and made you a beloved son and daughter of the king. Do you know that in the United States of America, 
at least nine people are killed by a distracted driver and a thousand people are injured by a distracted driver every single day. Because of the use of smartphones. And texting is so prevalent. And the states are a little bit behind Australia in that many of the states are now banning texting while driving. Well, who knew, eh? And the, the risk caused by the distraction is too costly to allow. And in the same way, I think, living as a single who is always fixated on becoming, getting married, always fixated and obsessed with finding a relationship and getting married can also be detrimentally distracting to your life and calling. I think that singles, although singles can be honest with God themselves and others about their desires, they can't become obsessed with fulfilling those own desires on their own terms. I've seen young Christian singles who try and do it themselves, they don't wait, they don't trust God and they try and orchestrate it and they end up, uh, end up dating someone who they shouldn't, sleeping with someone who they shouldn't because they try and fast track a process and short, short circuit and take a shortcut on God's plans for their life. We must trust God with His plans for our lives. Another point for single people to understand, for all of us really, but single people in this season, as you, if you desire marriage, devote yourself to a church family. Devote yourself to a church family. In Mark 10, 29, 31, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first i think jesus promises as a family that's why i don't understand people who casually date the local church but really in the church the local church it's the closest expression we have to heaven on this side of eternity i wonder if you think that or believe that and yet for single people they find a family, they can find a home, they can find friendships. Jesus promises his church. Commitment to a church provides this explicit mutual responsibility in a spiritual family relationship. Like for a Christian single person, you know, and I'm not saying this one totally because I, I, I understand the loneliness, that there's loneliness, but but I think that for a Christian single person, devote yourself to a church family and that's going to help with loneliness. Practical ways you can practice undivided devotion to Christ comes through loving His church. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that you can be single and be in God's church and, and some of that loneliness can be addressed. I'm not saying 100%, I'm not that naive. But so, that loneliness can be addressed. Living with a local church, you depend on other Christians in times of need. And I know that there are singles in this church who have people who will cry with them, pray with them, challenge them and encourage them. I've seen that firsthand. And I just want to just close out this sermon, short sermon today, you'll like that. Um, 
with this final point. And I guess I want to say this to the whole church about singleness. Here it is. Don't assume. Don't assume. In relation to singles, don't assume someone is desperate to change their status. But also don't assume she or he has decided they don't want or resigned themselves to permanent singleness. Don't assume that they want to be introduced or set up. Don't assume that singles feel uncomfortable in a setting with all couples. Don't assume that single friends are not interested in your marriage and family life. Don't assume that your single friends have plans for special occasions like Christmas or public holidays. Don't assume, church. Don't assume. I was thinking that, well, I know that God in heaven has a date on the calendar marked. He has a date on the calendar mark when the bridegroom is coming back. And the biggest wedding in all human history will be the return of Jesus Christ. And the bridegroom shall return for his bride. And there will be single people on that day that will never have had the opportunity to get married on earth. And there is a whopper of a wedding coming and it's going to put every wedding ceremony and reception venue to shame. That all of those faithful singles who lived in their singlehood are going to be at the front of the line for the bridegroom when he comes. And that you shall be celebrated because you were faith, a faithful bride to the soon coming king. Friends don't, be dis, don't, friends, don't be persuaded from the desire to get married. But do, but do be persuaded from thinking that marriage is the be end end all. Seek God first and none of us will ever be disappointed. Amen? Amen.